0: Good morning. Good to see you today. Welcome to this time that we have together. What, a, uh, what an honor it is to be able to, to just share the Word of God with you and to uh, to come to this moment. You know, some things in life are obvious. Have you ever noticed that? You ever been around someone and they've got food hanging on their face? And you don't really know them that well and you just go, gosh, I really want to tell you about that food hanging on your face. But that might embarrass you. And then you don't even think about, well, they're going to go around all day with food on their face. What if nobody ever tells them? That's obvious. You ever known somebody that was really skinny and then they got fat? I mean, I got like nine sets of pants. You know what I'm talking about? And how come they always say something nice to you when you lose weight, and then when you gain weight, they don't go, oh my, look, you've gained some weight. You're looking good. Some things are just obvious, Right? And in life, some things are obvious. I think what God has done here at Influence Church is obvious. I want to show you a video about something that's obvious to make our point as we start today. So take a look at this video. That's it. It's pretty obvious. Oh, here it is. And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Uh, that sounds really hard. <laughs> Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on, no. if you would just. Don't! sleep I have to keep on till I can go on? Well. Any of you relate to that? Anybody know what that's all about? Guys, would you raise your hand and say, I I know what that's about, right? Okay, well, some things in life are just really obvious. What I want to do is I want to talk to you today about things that are obvious and what God has done here and through this place and through us. And I want to begin with this statement, everything you want is on the other side of fear, Everything you want in life is on the other side of fear. We live our life so much of the time in fear of what might happen or what may not happen or what will happen. And and we live this life that God doesn't want us to live. He wants us to live this life of faith that exercises faith. and, And faith by its very nature demands that we push out of our comfort and into this zone that's called fear. And when you get on that other side of fear, it's amazing what God can do. What we like to say around here, and this is kind of a tagline, if you know it, you can say it with me, you can be in the middle of a miracle and not even know it. You know, sometimes God's doing something in your life and in your world and you can't see what's going on because all you see is the problem, all you see is the dilemma, all you see is the discouragement or the pain or the defeat or the loss that you have in your life, but God is doing something. Every biblical miracle that you look at is is really just clothed with all kinds of difficulty and impossibilities and problems. But when you see God break through, we always kind of, wow, God did this or God did that. That's because there was a breakthrough miracle that took place. We started this church 21 months ago, and, and it is by a miracle that we're here. It is a miracle that we were 120 days in construction, I mean, think about that, 120 days to do all that we've done. And that's a miracle. We were in the middle of it, and we didn't know what all was going on or what God was doing. We also know that it's a journey, not a destination. Sometimes we think, well, once we get a building. No, it's not about the building. It's about the journey. It's about the transformation that God does in your life and through your life because you commit yourself to him, because you seek after him with all your heart and your mind, your soul, and your being. If you think this is the destination, then we've missed the point. It's not about the building. We love the building. We're glad to have this building, and God's going to use it for his glory for many years to come, but it's not it. We want transformed people who transform society we want people who live out their faith in a powerful way in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit so that there's nothing common about that. It was in Acts chapter 17 when they, when they came into town, Paul and some of his friends, they, they pointed their fingers and said, these are the guys who turned the world upside down. And that was not a compliment. They uh, disrupted their culture. Interesting, we got a call from the festival center. And they were concerned that we were having two big events. And especially Target was concerned. And I just started laughing. I said, are you kidding me? We created a a dilemma in their mind that was somehow we were going to take a parking place. We just offered them, I know it's going to be a busy season. Maybe we can let you park up here if you have a problem later on. I mean, it's just crazy what some people think. But here's what I want to say. It's time to move on to what God has for you. When doubt rises, trust God. He wants to bring you to a better place. He wants to do greater things in you and through you. He wants to give you greater joy. He wants to give you greater happiness. He wants to give you greater purpose. He wants to give you greater fulfillment in your life. But you have to push out of that zone of fear and into that dimension of faith and trusting God. Our text for today is in Isaiah chapter 43 and verses 18 and 19. It says this, do not remember the former things. How many of you do that sometimes? You remember the former things. How about like an old boyfriend or girlfriend? Anybody ever think, man, I was a great boyfriend, great girlfriend? They're gone. Quit stalking them on Facebook. (laughs) Gone. They're not coming back. Oh, I think if I could just do... No, they're gone. God wants to do a new thing. God wants to give you somebody new, somebody better. Nor consider the things of old. Behold... I will do a new thing. God loves to do a new thing. He has a new creation. He's going to make new heavens and new earth. God says that that he's going to have a, a new covenant with man where he's going to come to us and give us his grace and give us his love. God loves to do new things. Isaiah goes on to write this. Now it shall spring forth. Now there's a suddenness about what God does. Behold, and now look what's happening. You didn't expect it. Same phrase is used at the birth of Christ. Behold, something's happened here. Take notice. Behold, I will even make a road, it says here. You shall know it, and I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Who does that? Who takes and makes a road down through the wilderness? Who takes and puts rivers down through a desert? It's God. Your life might feel like a wilderness. Your life might feel like a desert. and You say, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? God is the answer. I will get through this through God and nothing else. You ever notice how it's always the last thing that happens? You go to God. You go to your friend. You say, hey, uh, what do you think I should do? I don't know. I think you should pray. I think you should do this. I think you should do that. And then finally, when you get desperate enough, you go to God. And God, I don't know all my friends. Nobody could give me any advice. And I've read the Bible. I've done everything. What do I do? And then God speaks. Start with God. Let God begin that journey with you our mission statement we get a lot of questions about why are we called influence church kind of a funny name we're even even coined the term you're the i-church and i want to tell you why because there's some background here that's really powerful the mission statement is this it goes to influence the world and spread god's fame that many believe may believe that he is the christ the son of the living god I was reading two scriptures, one found in Psalm 135 and verse 13. Listen to what it says. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. We want to make God famous. We want to get his word out there, his name out there. Matthew uh, uh, 24 and verse 24. Then his fame, speaking of Jesus went throughout all of Syria and they brought him all the sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. His fame had gone out to all the world. You see, it's obvious that God has marked our steps from the very beginning. It was just a little over a year and a half ago, February 12, 2012, we sat in a living room And we were contemplating and praying what was going to happen. It was just an impromptu kind of thing by the Spirit that I said, well, I guess tonight we're birthing a church. Little did I know what that would mean. Little did I know that it would mean many, many weeks of really tears and hurt and pain and struggle and difficulty to get through that place. We found ourselves in this course of time moving four times. This is our fifth location in 21 months. That's a lot of moving. And there were difficult times, but there were blessings all along the journey. After we launched that night and made that statement, I found out later there was a friend of ours named Sean who had, who really almost a year earlier had this prophetic word from God and he said there was going to be on 212 12 a boiling over of a church and there was going to be a movement that would influence the world that would start in California. I didn't know anything about that. I was told later about what was doing, and so our beginnings were, were interesting. They were marked by God. I remember our first Easter. It was just the week before, and a young gal in our church um, named Skye. Skye, you're here today? She's probably working. In, no, Skye's not here? All right. The Skye came to us, and she said, would you pray for me? That's her parents over there. I have a tumor the size of a grapefruit. And, you know, you never want to hear that. And we prayed with expectancy, and she went to the doctor. She'd already had several different scans on it, and they were getting ready to do this surgery. And she went to the doctor, I believe, with her mother, and the doctor came in and said, Sky, do you believe in miracles? She said, why? Well, you are one. The tumor is completely gone that week, completely gone And no trace of it. God had reached down and healed her completely. The week before Easter, last year, the week before this year, Easter, I was preparing to do a a wedding for Katie and Carlos, and Katie and Carlos are on the front row. Raise your hand right here, guys. They were going to do a wedding. And as we prepared for that wedding, she got news that she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. We had prayer vigils, and we prayed for her, and we trusted God, and, her, and Carlos was, man, he was a fanatic in there, just working and praying and diligent about everything else. And they went in, they said that cancer was, it was cancerous, they went in and it was Benign. And the news does, good news doesn't stop there because not only did they did they find it was benign, but they, here's what happened. They said, you're not going to be able to have children. I want you to know that right now on the front row with them is their little baby that was just born a couple of weeks ago. Will you give God the glory? Don't tell me God doesn't work miracles. God is a miracle working God, and I'm I'm just telling you a couple of the miracles that God has done in 21 months. We have seen more miracles. I've seen more miracles in 21 months than I've seen in my entire ministry. Now, think about that. Cuz really, if you think about it, startup churches 21 months old shouldn't be sitting in a 4 million dollar building. They can't even get a loan. And God did something. We, we were, were in a situation, this 21-day fast we called because, honestly, we had a loan from a private lender and it dried up like weeks before we were supposed to close. We'd already sent $100,000 into escrow. And we were in a dilemma. We had to either find another loan, and we were only at the time just like 13, 14 months old. We had to find another loan. Well, who wants to give you a loan with a year's worth of financials? Nobody. They all want three years worth of financials. It got down to the wire. It started moving down into the month of July, and we had no money and no, no loan, and nobody who wanted to loan us the money. Everybody said, well, your journey's been remarkable, and your, your financials are uh, unbelievably good, but we just don't even know. We had a million dollars in the bank, and we couldn't get a loan. And a friend of mine in LA, Tammy just texted him and said, "What well, do you know of anybody? He connected us to a guy in Amarillo and Amarillo, Texas. He connected us to another guy and I filled out the loan application and I only had like 12 days before we had to close on this loan. And I had just filling out the loan application. Anybody ever do a loan application and and have any expectancy of 12 days getting a, an approval? Well, I want you to know what God did. Not only did we get the loan approved in, within that time frame, we actually got, I applied for it and got approved, and we closed on this building in eight business days. Oh, tell me there's no miracles. God works miracles. You see, and, and we look at our life and we say, yeah, but you don't know my deal. I'm unique. I've got problems nobody else has. They go deep. you know, complicated. Here's some things I want you to know how to move forward. One, don't relive the pain. The words of your mouth that Proverbs 18 says are either going to be life or they're going to be death. Don't be reliving pain in your life. It doesn't do any good. It's counterproductive to what you want to do. Nothing of your past will affect your future. Don't let your past affect your future. You say, but I did this, the blood of Christ. Well, what about that, the blood of Christ? Well, I, what, you don't understand. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Don't compromise your destiny. God has a purpose for you, and he wants to bring you to a good place. Don't rely on yesterday's success or victory. So you were successful yesterday. That doesn't mean anything today. You have to start fresh every day with God. Here's Job. He's in the middle of the fight of his life in Job chapter 22. And the word that comes to him is this, decree a thing and it shall be established for you. In other words, Job, what do you want to see God do in your life? What do you want to see God do in your life, in your family, in your business, in your finances? What do you want to see God do? Decree it, speak it out, and say that's what I want God to do and refuse to doubt. Can I tell you more than once when I would get up in front of, whether we were at El Rancho, and you saw the little folding chair up here a minute ago, I mean, that we spent a lot of time on there. Sitting on those metal chairs, most of them were bent, a little crooked. You know, the paint was tattered on them and bad, and people started bringing in cushions to set on. And some, one guy brought in big, one of those big you know, lawn chairs, you know, with the armrests on it. it, took up like four places. We're going, seriously? I mean, your rear end won't handle an hour of this. You know, and, and, and it was just kind of fun to see what God would do with that. But I can tell you more than once, I'd get up and I'd say, hey, this is what God's going to do. And I'd get in my car and go, that was the stupidest thing you ever said, Phil How's How's God going to come through with that? You shouldn't open your big mouth. But you know what? You make a public declaration of what God's going to do. Then you put God in a position to work. And that's what we want to do is cast a vision for what God wants to do. So, so our vision is that we're going to add one service every year for the next five years at a minimum. We plan to be at 5,000 people in five years. We've already targeted out the land we want to move to. We've already got figured out what God is going to do. We plan to launch new sites, satellite churches. Uh, you know, someone asked me the other day, do you, well, what about a missionary? Do you have any missionaries? I said, we don't said, we don't have any missionaries. We start churches. We start churches, and we've got one in Abu Dhabi. We've got one now in, in Big Bear. They're small works. They're, gonna, they're, they're in that catalyst kind of stage, but we're going to get really aggressive with what we're going to do. You know how much money we spent? We spent $800 in Abu Dhabi. We spent $300 in Big Bear. That's the entire budget to start two churches. You know what I believe? I believe people want to get behind something where they, they, the donor is in mind, where we're not just figuring out how much money we can spend on this and that, but we're going to be good stewards of what we have and let God be glorified in everything that happens. Also, there's no victory without a battle. Here's a truth I want you to hold on to. The devil hates your potential. Let's say that together. The devil hates your potential. He doesn't want you to tap into who you really were designed to be. He wants you to stay stuck in the past, Stuck in a problem. He wants you to feel defeated. He wants you to feel discouraged. Hey, you guys look good out there on the loading dock. Wow. How's the temperature? Is it cold? No, not too bad? Well, you're all beautiful. Well, a couple of you not, but Ray, he's not that good looking, but you know. Devil hates your potential. You know, there are three kind of enemies in life. Here's the first one. Those who discourage you. You ever know anybody who discourage you? You get all worked up. You're going to walk some of you are going to walk at her today. You got faith. Man, I'm going, to, I'm going to do something. I'm going to kill a lion. I'm going to break down a wall. I'm going to conquer kingdoms. I'm going to do and they go, oh, yeah, you yeah. know, you know, that's just preacher talk. I tried that. I mean, I, I heard that sermon last week, and same sermon. He preached the same one every week. And and you know, and it just, it's not gonna work. And they discourage you. Have you ever noticed how they change when things start to work in your life? They're nowhere to be found. In the book of Nehemiah chapter 6, Nehemiah has finished the wall and the enemies have done everything they can to discourage him. And this is what he writes. When all of our enemies heard of it and all the nations around saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. This work that we have called Influence Church is done by God. There are enemies that try to distract you, just get you off attention. You're going down one road. Hey, what about this? What about this? You know, Jesus had one of his disciples like this. His name was Peter. Peter, you know, Jesus was headed to Jerusalem for the cross. And what happened? Peter said, no, don't do that. You know, we'll fight. We'll defend you. And he looked at him. He goes, get behind me, Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You're trying to distract me. You're trying to get me off track. Then there are those kind of uh, uh, enemies that inspire you. Now, that might seem odd to you. You know every one of us needs a good enemy in our life, don't we? Well, what, would you even know about David if it wasn't for Goliath? He needed Goliath. Otherwise, David had just been a little shepherd boy, right? He needed a Goliath he could conquer. What's your Goliath? Are you letting them distract you or defeat you, discourage you? Are you letting them inspire you? You want to let the enemies of your life, whether it's discouragement, fear, whatever it is, you want to let them inspire you. Turn every enemy in every situation into an inspiration. People say, I can't, let me show you how I can. When my boys were young, they'd always say, Dad, I can't do that. i say, don't tell me what you can't do, tell me what you can do. Tell me what you can do. Motivate me to to, to get behind you and say, well, Ed, I think I can do that. That's good. I like that. Now go do that. You need to look at your heavenly father and quit saying, I can't do that and say, God, I can do this. God says, I'll take that little bit. I'll inspire you. I'll fill you. I'll propel you forward in a mighty way for the glory of God. But you've got to be able to give God something. Trusting God doesn't mean sitting in your room going, oh, God, I'm just waiting on God. Waiting on God. Well, is he doing anything? No, I don't understand it. Well, get up. Do something. You ever been at a restaurant where you had a waiter that didn't wait? You ever had one of those? And you say, I'll get even with the tip. He doesn't care. You think he's there for the no, he doesn't care. And you're sitting there, well, what about God? You see, if I'm gonna wait on God, am I just gonna sit back and go, you know, well, I just, you know, waiting on God. No, get busy. I love, you know, who do you tip? You tip the waiter that serves you. He's there, and we want to be servants of Jesus. We want to be serving him, and and, and he's going to say, hey, you want to know what your tip is? I'm going to bless you, bring favor on you. I'm going to do things in you that you could never imagine. I love this guy, Smith Wigglesworth. I like him because of his last name, Wigglesworth. (laughs) Kind of like a Hudson Peller name, you know? It's kind of like one of those ones where you, you grow up as a child, and you look at your parents and go, couldn't you have changed it? Why couldn't I have been a Smith, a Black, or something, anything, but a Hodson Peller? You kidding me? You know, remember those little Iowa basic tests they had? They had 11 boxes. My, letter, my name is 12. So it's hard enough. I can't get my whole name in there, but then when they call my name, they'd go, Hodson Pelly? Couldn't get the R in there. Hotson Pelly? And everybody'd go, Hotson Pelly, that's funny. And the guy, you know, ah, ha, ha, ha. Okay, Smith Wigglesworth. Believe. Ready? Believe that when you come into the presence of God, you, have, uh, you can have all that you came for. When you come into the presence of God, believe that you can have all that you came for. You can take it away and you can use it for all the power of God is at your disposal in response to your faith. It's a good word. Also, this is just the beginning. I was reading in Isaiah 61. Look at it with me. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. Can I say this to you? Some of your faith is like old ruins broken down. Stones are laying everywhere, the doors hanging off the hinge. Your faith just isn't strong anymore. Isaiah said, There's a promise here. We're going to rebuild the old ruins. I love it when a guy says to me, and guys are pretty honest about this, they'll say, you know what, man, I I, I just don't know. I I don't know if I could come to church. I don't know if I'm, you know, my faith's strong enough. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And I go, you know what, that's the best kind, man. I love that. You already know where you are, and you've got all the way to go with God. There's so much God can do to rebuild the ruins of your life. And then it goes on to say, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities. You know, one of the things we're doing, we have partnered with, uh, with really, in, in some of the efforts that Anaheim, the city of Anaheim, is doing in fighting human trafficking right here in Anaheim. Now, you think about that, guys. You say, I didn't even know. You might say, I don't even know that exists. You think that's something reserved for a foreign country. It's not something that just happens in, in Cambodia or, or the Philippines or India or some other place. It's right here, right over by Disneyland. Girls 12 to 14 years old, human trafficked in our own city. Isn't it time we do something about that? Isn't it time we think about our own country? Isn't it time we make a difference and we realize that there's these desolations that are happening here and we've got to repair the parts of those cities that are ruined. We can't be the church that sits back and come over here and give us your money and give us your time. We've got to be the church that goes out into the cities and transform them by the glory of God. We've got to be movers of, of men and mountains in our world. And it goes on to say, the desolation of many generations. Some of you are where you are because of your parents, your grandparents, and your great-grandparents, and you're doing the same stuff they did. You're thinking the same thoughts. You're living out the same life that they lived, and it's time for you to break that generational sin in your family's life and raise up a new generation who will give glory to Almighty God. It's time to rise up and be men and women of God. It's time for the church to be the church. Too long the church has been something else. It's been a country club where everybody looks right and everybody comes right and they sit there and they go home and the world is exactly the same as it was before. And here's the promise in verse 5, strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. There's going to be new people coming in here and they're going to be feeders of the flock. They're going to be people they're going to bring and bring the word of God. And sons of your foreigners shall be the plowmen and your vine dressers. That is, people who are out there planting seeds and they're pulling the the grapes off. They're going to be a part of that. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. God has made us a holy nation, a royal priesthood, it tells us in the book of Peter. They shall call you the servants of our God. That's the title you want to always have. I want to be a servant of God. I just want to be a servant of God. Instead of your shame, you shall have a double honor. We want to have a culture here of honor where we honor one another. I want you to turn to your friend right now, your neighbor. May you not even know him. Look at him and say, I honor you. Would you do that right now? All right, now turn to him and say, You're the best looking person I've seen all day. <laughs> now now just say, I just lied. Create a culture of honor. Instead of confusion, they will rejoice in their portion. People are confused. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go with it. And it says, therefore, in their land they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. If you're going to have everlasting joy, if you're going to see the hand of God, you've got to realize there's some things you have to fight for. You've got to fight for your family. You've got to fight for things in this world if you're going to make a difference. It's an important part of it. There is a process to activate God's activity. Did you hear me? There is a process to activate God's activity in your life. You have to pursue it with all your heart. Pursue it. You say, "Well, I tried that, and it didn't work. Oh, really, how long did you try that? I don't know, about a week? About a week. You have to pursue it. You ever pursued anything? I mean, really pursued something with all your heart? When I was in high school, I was riding my bike home from my buddy's house, and a car full of guys drove up, and they said some some words that uh, I don't use, but some of you do, and... (laughs) And they basically told me they were going to beat me up right and they had great creative way adjectives to describe how they were going to do that and I'm thinking well that's not going to happen so I'm riding my bike now remember I'm riding my bike as fast as I can and I'm I'm like you know at that point I'm like 185 90 pounds of twisted steel you know now I'm up to about 200 pounds of twisted steel well, 200 and something. But anyway, and I'm riding my bike, and they're, they're honking the horn. Hey, you can't, you can't go fast enough to get away from us. And I just threw the bike down, ran over, jumped over about four fences, had one dog chase me. I, they were pursuing me. They never caught me. Went back, got my bike, rode home, humiliated. And I said that day, I'm never going to let that happen again. I'm going to take a beating before I'm going to let them do that to me again. Can I tell you, you have to pursue God like those guys were pursuing me. You have to be relentless. With your pursuit of God, you also have to pray. I mean pray. When you pray, can I just encourage you to pray out loud? Let the devil know that you're praying. Just pray out loud. You say, well, I don't pray very well. If you talk, you can pray. You're just talking to a different person. You're talking, instead of your friend, you're talking to God. And you start to pray, and you have to persist. You have to persist. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things go wrong that you mustn't quit. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to the faint and and, and faltering man. And he learned too late how close he was to the golden crown. So stick to the fight and don't quit. Don't quit. Don't ever quit, because God never quits on you. Fight back when you feel like giving up. Fight back when you're shame, when shame covers you like a cloud. In the book of Daniel, it says this in Daniel chapter 11, verses 32 and 33. The people who know their God. The people who know their God. Do you know your God? Can't hear you. Do you know your God? Yes. If you know God, stand up. You know God, stand up. You know your God, stand up. That God will display strength. That God will take action. Then it goes on to say, those who have insight among the people will give understanding to the many. You know God and you pursue God. It says you're gonna have understanding. You're gonna bring bring joy and power. You're gonna bring all these things to people. And you have to receive what God has for you. If you want to receive that spirit of understanding and that spirit of knowledge right now, I just want you to lift your hand up. Just lift your hand up. And I'm just going to pray for you. Our band's going to come. We're going to sing. But I want you just to pray right now. Holy Spirit of God, God. I receive a spirit of understanding. I receive a spirit of power power. and strength strength. So so I can take action. I want to change the world. And even though it sounds ridiculous, knowing who I am, I know that you and me is greater than all my problems, all my weaknesses, and all my difficulties. In Jesus' name, let me influence the world for Jesus Christ. Now, while you just keep your heads bowed for a moment, I'm going to ask you this question. Some of you stood up out of peer pressure, you just said, Everybody stand, and I'm going to stand. And you may not really know God. You may know about him, but you don't really know him. Could this be a day for you for salvation? It's not about coming to church. Not about getting baptized. It's not about keeping a ritual, going through a routine. It's about your faith in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you right now, if you're not certain of your eternal destiny, I want you to pray a prayer like this with me. In your own heart, you can pray it out loud, but in your own heart at least. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Your word promises that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you save me right now, Lord Jesus? Would you give me the gift of eternal life? In your own words right now, would you just thank him if, if you prayed that prayer? It says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, the promise is we will be saved. That means we will have that gift of eternal salvation. If that was your prayer today, I'm going to ask you, and no one else to do this, but I'm just going to ask you, if that was your prayer today, would you just look at me right now? Just lift your eyes. No one's looking around. Would you just look at me right now? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, man. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you on the dock God bless you guys God loves you he has a wonderful plan for your life just trust him and walk with him we'd love to be the church that helps you along that journey right now we're gonna sing a song together let it be a song of praise to him the glory of the God let's sing